You might bring these lights down a little bit on the stage too. Hey, uh, real quick, hang on just a second, pause it, just pause. Just kind of set this thing up for you real quick. This is just a, a, it's a testimony given by a young man that's in college and uh, that grew up in the church, very active in the church. And when he went off to school, when he got involved in the world, some other things started happening in his life. And um, I don't want you to take this as this is for young people. This is for everybody in here, whether you're going off to college or whether you're going to work or whether you're just in the world day in and day out. So, uh, but this is specifically a, a young college student that's speaking. Go ahead, guys. My name is Kent Smithson, and this is my story. My life before college consisted of my life being planned almost totally for me. I grew up in the church. That was a youth minister, and so I was kind of placed in the church before I was born, and was at the church when the church was closed, and there was no one else there, and walked around the abandoned halls. I was always there. My spiritual life before college was really I'd say non-existent. It was more of an intellectual life. Um, God was an intellectual pursuit. 18 years, you can learn a lot of things about God, but you find out that it's just knowledge. If it's not actually spiritual, um, it, it wasn't authentic. It wasn't a relationship. It was just like just like learning history in class or, or learning anything else. My spiritual life, in the lack of it, was accented in college. Um, the lifestyle I was living was totally different from that which I lived in high school. Like, and I was just bored of the church, and I was just bored with everything that was set before me. And I just wanted, I was done. So when I walked into college, like, I was like, this is my opportunity to, like, to see what else is out there, like, to see, like, what I might be missing out on, um, to see, like, if there's any way that I can fix this boredom, if there's any way that I can fix this void that, like, that, that I'm living in, um, and it's, it's like it was choking me from like the inside out almost. The first time you meet someone that legitimately doesn't believe in God for the first time is, is, a, is a culture shock. And even weirder is the first time you sit in a class and you're the minority um, is another culture shock. Especially like in science classes and stuff, like people are talking about all these things and like God's a joke. And so it's easy all of a sudden to unintentionally start denouncing God in conversation. This guy, he's like, he's like, you do, you don't believe that at all, do you? Like, oh no, like I, like, I thought I believed this stuff. I thought everyone believed this stuff. Um, maybe I don't. And so, like, all of a sudden, these questions are raising your head for the first time. That like, maybe not. Like, maybe God isn't real. It forces all these things out into the open. Like, all these doubts that you just kind of assumed didn't weren't there because everyone was like it. You're able to borrow off of everybody else. The first time you're like staring at like not a Christian culture environment, but like a worldly, um, godless environment. And, and they're staring at you in the face, and they're like saying, like, be like us. And like, you're trained to teach them to be like you, but you're all alone now. You're going to find out how much you really believe those, those things at all. And if you're, you're able to stand on them at all in the opposition, or if you just, like, oh, like, this isn't worth it. Like, I'll drop this belief. I'm going to follow y'all now. Um, and it's kind of scary but it happens a lot. It, it just, I started feeling so guilty because like the things that I knew were starting to, I was starting to conflict things that I knew in my own life, but I didn't care because it was fun. Um, but the more I did it, the more that the guilt sank in and the more that like this, this is not right. Like I know this isn't right, but why don't I care? Um, like why am I doing this anyway? Like I, I don't know. It was miserable. I, I made several mistakes. Drowning in alcohol, you know, just drowning around girls and stuff. Like, it's just the, the shame and the guilt that you live with at night was just not worth it when you, when you look at things clearly, but you don't. At, just looking at myself, like when I looked at who I was all of a sudden, like I hated it. It was a struggle. It was a chaos moment from, from my life. I learned a lot through firsthand mistakes um, that I, I'd rather not have experienced. Very gratefully, 
people of the Lord just found me. They were everything that I knew that I was supposed to be, but I wasn't. And when I saw that, like all of a sudden, these things that I knew in my head that I'd been taught all through high school, like it was, it started to take place and it started to become established. And like these things that I had known as like intellectual knowledge started becoming pieces of my life. Like, and it was like through that process that they started sinking into place. Like this isn't just a fact of something that I've learned once. Like this is reality. Like this is. This really is the way things need to be. Like God really is like the truth that I need to stand on. Like it's not some pursuit or, or philosophy that I get to duel someone with. Like this is what really needs to be a piece of who I am. And without it, like I'm who I was that first semester. Like without these facts of life, like I am this. And like when these things became a piece of my character, like people were helping me, like helping me establish these characters and like giving me walls and supports and um, like loving me into it, coaching me, you know, like. They, they really help these pieces of information become a piece of my heart and character. Um, and outside of them and the Lord, like, I was hopeless. If there was a time that I could go back and talk to me as a junior in high school, it would be seek God as a personality and remove the idea that it's a, it's a, a school of thought almost. God is not an, like, an object to be studied, but he's a father to be loved by. You can talk to him and he talks back and he listens and he's desiring to love you now. And he wants this relationship there now. Like, it's not something that you have to learn or, or to develop on your own. Like, it's, it's just a genuine relationship. My name is Kent Smithson and I've discovered that knowing God and loving God are actually two very different things. Wow. Come on. Amen. Okay, we're done. Who wants prayer now, huh? Huh? That, isn't, that, isn't that powerful? Knowing God and loving God are two different things. Isn't that just, ooh, I saw that video and I thought, and I'm going to tell you the, the title of my sermon today, 2016, Owning Your Faith. Owning your faith. If you've been around this place for young folks, and, I, and this goes back a while when we had a youth group, and I know that uh, in our current youth group, we, we really uh, promote to our, our, our youth about owning their faith. It can't be a, their parents' faith. It has to be something that's theirs. So whose faith is it? Well, they were saying many of us have grown up with some type of faith background. We've grown up maybe in the church. Uh, we've been exposed to the, the gospel. We've been exposed to um, the message, whether it be from a Protestant or non-denominational or maybe Catholic or um, maybe you've had some exposure there to faith. Uh, at what point or at some point, you leave that area and you enter into the world. Now, the world could look different for different folks. He went to college. He left church because he grew up, graduated high school, and he went to college. Um, myself, I graduated high school and I went into the military. And it looked a lot different than what it looked at home. When I got into the world, it looked a lot different. And what you heard from his testimony was the challenges that you have, even though he grew up as a, uh, in, in the youth program, in the church, uh, being uh, the child of leaders in the church, being there when the church was closed, uh, he grew up in that environment. He was tested when he, when he left. He had all of that knowledge. He had everything that he had been taught, um, but, it, but for some reason it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. Um, so the question that we begin to ask ourselves as we move into the world is, what do I believe about God and the Christian faith? Have you asked yourself that question? Have you ever asked that, qu that question to yourself? Yes, no, maybe. It's an important question. It's a very important question. It, it, it gets to the root of, Knowing God is different than loving God. When you ask yourself that question, what do I believe about God and the Christian faith?
So what happens as you move into this new world, this new life, as, as you leave the security of, let's say, mom and dad or the church, um, you can either lose your faith, you can come to faith, or you can stay secure in your faith. Those are, those are the three options that you have. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, and this message is really focused at, um, it's probably not a very seeker-sensitive message. That makes any sense to you if, if somebody doesn't know God. Uh, but you know what? I would love this message for them because it really challenges them to pursue the relationship, not just the knowledge of God. But it's really focused more toward people in the church, people in the church, and how our lives are, are influenced and changed um, by our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what this message is really focused about. So we can either lose, come to, or stay secure in our faith. Now, the stats show that for college students who participate in church or youth groups in high school, that they generally will choose to put their faith on a shelf when they get exposed to the world. You heard the guy say, I've never met anyone that hasn't believed in God before. And they started to challenge what he believed. And when he became the minority, what happened? He conformed to the world around him. He conformed to the world around him. We, we do that. As we do that, we do it all the time. I do. I don't want to, but I find myself at work, around friends, being outside of Sunday morning or my, my church family. I, I find myself challenged in what I say and what I do. And I think it's, it's a real place for us to, to look this year about um, owning what we've been taught. Bill went through a review last week. I know some of you weren't here. He did a whole year in review of every sermon that he gave. He had 86 slides. Aren't you glad? Some of you may be glad you didn't come. <laughs> some of you may be glad that you were here. There were a lot of slides. The reality is not one of those slides will be any good to you. If all you did was take it as historical data or something to be known about God, if you don't allow it to change your heart and to change your relationship with him. You just sit, I just sit, and I listen, and I see the slides that go up behind us, or I hear the words that are being spoken, but they're not words that change my life. They're just words. And it's knowledge. It's good to know. If somebody were to ask me, how do you get saved? I can tell them. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I know that. But to, to be changed and transformed, to not lose your faith is not to know it here, is to know it here. And to let it be a reflection of your everyday life. You have to own that. You have to own it. Um, faith background does not equal a true decision to believe what you have learned. Just because you grew up in the church, I have news for you. It doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't make you a believer. It doesn't make you a worship leader or a pastor. Guess what? I didn't grow up in the church. And I know a lot of people that grew up in the church that want nothing to do with the church. And I know people like me that didn't grow up in the church that didn't want anything to do with the church until God got a hold of me in a, in a real way, into a way that uh, it, it did change my life. He opened my eyes. <clears throat> it's, it's a shame, though. We can get lost in, in the uh, day in and day out of running a, a, a church. You know it's like a business? Do you know church is like a business? We have staff members. We have finances we have to... There are bills that have to be paid. You know who pays the bills in the church? Yeah. I saw one person raise their hand. 
Everybody in here pays the bills in the church. Everybody. We don't have any magical, you know, we don't have any sales thing that we're going out knocking on doors to sell to bring money into the church. We rely on God's people that believe, that take ownership in the values of the vineyard church here. There are many churches, we've said this time and time again, there are many tribes out there. What speaks to your heart? I hope if you're sitting here, it's, it's the values of the vineyard that speak and move, that God uses to touch you in a way that you, you take full ownership into that. So you made a con- Now, uh, we're talking about uh, losing your faith. Have you made a conscious decision to make Jesus the leader of your life? That's key. Is Jesus everything in your life? Does it reflect, does your life reflect that? Now, the, now the reality is, and I, I believe this, if you grew up in the church, seeds have been planted. They've been cast. Somehow, some way, they're there. And, and there's some scripture that go with that, but I'm not going to get into the, the scripture of the different types of soil. But I will tell you that seeds are, are there. I've seen it in, in the life of uh, my family and my children. They're in and they're out. They're in and they're out. They don't belong to me. They belong to him. My faith isn't enough for them to walk out of life and finish well with Jesus. It has to be theirs. It has to be theirs. So seeds have been planted. What are we going to do with them? Action. What we choose to do with the knowledge we have been given uh, will either point us in the direction of losing or coming to faith in Jesus. So all year long, all sermon that we saw last year either did one thing for you. It helped secure you on the path to keep following Jesus. Or maybe it, it's kind of pushed you in a different direction. I believe that. I truly believe that. Now, you're here today, and you may still be in that same place. And I'm going to tell you today, seeds are being cast. Seeds are being planted today. Is your heart in a place that it can take root and that God could use that, and, and, and you can bear fruit for him, and you see that in, in your life? So the question is, when you grow up in, in an environment a church-type environment. Is it their faith or is it my faith? Story of the woman at the well. Uh, you guys familiar with that, some of you? Yeah, yeah. Samaritan woman at the well is, uh, she's drawing water. And back, you have to understand the culture, Jewish people didn't speak to the Samaritans. So she's taking water out of the well and Jesus comes up sees what's going on, and he starts to have a conversation with her. He's by himself, and they go through this dialogue of um, basically he's telling her everything that, about herself, you know, about her husbands, and, you know, you don't just have one, you, you know, and, and she's actually staying with another man. goes through that whole process, and she says, how do you know this? And he talks about you don't need to drink water from the well if you want to drink living water, Come to me. So she hears that message. She's you. She's you. She's me. She's sitting out here, and Jesus is on stage. And he's saying, if you want living water, come to me. Now, she could have said, yeah, crazy. You don't know what he's talking about, and going back home, right? But she goes back to the village that she lives in, and this is what she does. She goes back, and she tells the people in the, in the village about Jesus. She tells them about the experiences that she has. In John uh, 4, 39 through 42, I don't know if you have your Bibles with you. I didn't put it up back here so you could see it, but um, if you want to turn there, I'll give you a second. John 4, 39 through 42, it says this. It says, many of the Samaritans from that village committed themselves to him because of the woman's witness. 
because what she had said. He knew all about the things I did. He knows me inside and out. They asked him to stay on, so Jesus stayed for two days. A lot more people entrusted their lives to him when they heard what he had to say. They said to the woman, listen to this. They said, to, and this is out of the message, okay? Everything I'm giving you today from Scripture is going to be out of the message. This is, what, this is what they say to the woman. We no longer take this on your say-so. Not because of your witness, not because of what you said. We've heard it for ourselves, and we know it for sure. He is the Savior of the world. We are not going to take this just because I tell you something up here that this is what the Bible says. You know, we've been talking about truth. We've been talking about being in the Word. It doesn't do anything for you unless you take it for yourself. Not on my testimony. It has, to, it has to be living and breathing for you. It has to bring you life. It has to bring me life. And in order for it to do that, we have to open it up. And we have to read it. And we have to let it take root. So... Owning your faith happens through a lifetime of conscious and intentional choices to hear Jesus for yourself and to do what he says for yourself. We're going to talk about that in a minute. That's a key piece. I'm going to get down to that a little bit uh, later. Unfortunately, faith fails to flourish when we do not intentionally listen to Jesus for ourselves again and again. Too often, we participate in church, small groups, youth groups, the worship team, because it is what we've always done, and it's what's expected of us. Does that ring a bell? Does that resonate with anybody? Why do you go to church? Because my parents went to church. Because my friends go to church. That's what I'm... They did it, so I, I must have to do it. So I just go to church because that's what's expected of me. Makes me a good person just because I show up. That kind of thought, I love this language, will, will cause you to drift on the coattails of the community of faith. Do you get that? You will drift on the, that means that when you don't like what you hear here, You'll just go to the next one down the road or the next one down the road and the next one down the road. And you'll find yourself jumping from either faith to faith to faith or church to church to church or religion to religion to religion because you haven't been satisfied. You drift on the coattails of the communities of faith. Your faith may be loaned to you more than owned by you. And I feel like Johnny Cochran. If some of you guys are older, you know who that is. It may be loaned to you rather than owned by you. It's a tough message. It's a tough message. I see you back there, Bradley. So, knowing that, how do we develop our faith? How do you develop your own faith? Well, developing a life of faith... That is your own is a lifelong journey. Man, I, 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 I want to share a little bit, but I, I've shared a, before my testimony. Um, sometimes I hate going back through stuff like that when people hear it and they say, ah, we know that, Jeff, we know that. Some of you may have not, but, you know, growing up, um, just to give you a quick, quick rundown, background on my, my, uh, my introduction into my faith with Jesus. I was young. I was, I don't know, 11, 12 years old, maybe younger than that. Eh, that's about right. Church bus would come by, and my brother and I would get on the church bus, and we'd go to church. And um, as many young uh, kids that get involved, my parents didn't go. We went by ourselves. 
uh, I, I got an opportunity to go to a youth camp, and, and I'll tell you that I got saved at youth camp. I got saved. I knew that Jesus was Lord. Now, you call it what you want it, but I can tell you that moment, I knew. Um, so, what did I do with that? Boy, I read my Bible for about two days. I was on fire for God. Woo! I was on fire for God. As soon as I got on that bus and I got back home, I was running with my buddies again, playing baseball, doing whatever you do. Uh, I did get baptized, and within probably three months, I wasn't going to the church anymore. So fast forward, I meet my wife when I'm 16, and uh, she's going to church. Her family grew up in church. She grew up in the church. So I started going to youth group, as most young men do that meet girls in church. So, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, so I went to church. And, and I'm going to tell you, I went there. It, it did nothing for me. Did nothing for me. It was good. We had fun. Got to go to the beach. We had cookouts. We did some of that stuff. It was, but I just, you know, I was there for one reason and one reason only. And she's held on to me for 25 years because of that. So, uh, yeah. So, anyways, fast forward, I joined the military, and then I, I get exposed to the Christian faith in the military. Let me tell you what. Some of the chaplains and the chaplain's assistants, uh, some of them are great people. Some of them are, whoo, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I, I have stories that I can't say because we're recording on this, but just I was introduced to a lot of things in the world by some of the most godly people that you would, you would think, believe it or not, when I was in the service. So my, this is my perception of church. This guy's an assistant chaplain, and he's taking us to the best bars in town, and he knows where everything is, and I'm all of, you know, 19, 20 years old, you know. So uh, this is my ideal of, of what church looks like. So I get through that, get out, and uh, still have this skewed vision of, of what, what church really is. And I tell you, my life was becoming a mess. It was a mess. I was 24, 25 years old, and maybe 24 at that time, trying to make it. Had a wife, had a child, and um, made $6.50 an hour, I think, back then, and ended up working two jobs, and my wife was working. And Man, I told you this was going to be quick. There's nothing quick about testimony. You know what? It's just not. It's just, it is what it is. If you heard it, I'm sorry. Um, in, anyways, I don't know. It's written on my heart. God, God wrote it there. I'll never forget. Um, my marriage wasn't going so well, and Dylan was about six. He's heard this before, so I can tell it with my son sitting here. And, you know, long story short, my daughter was born in December, and I, um, I was going to leave, and I didn't leave um, because we tried for about five years to have another child. We could never do it. So when I decided to move out, literally within a day or two, Kim becomes positive on a pregnancy test. Now, we haven't had children for five, five years. He was six years old. We decided we didn't want any more kids. So I'm, I'm leaving. Kim says, well, I'm going to take a, a pregnancy test and... Because if you're leaving, I need to know. I said, eh, you're just wasting your money, you know? Well, anyways, she's positive, and Halen's born, and I go in, and, and you know, for whatever reason, man, in that, in that room, in that moment, God showed me something different. Showed me what it really meant to be a father, what it looked like to be a father. And I knew my life was a mess. I've been running around, going around, doing things I shouldn't be doing. And so I, um, I started going to church by myself. When I, I was off on Sunday mornings, and I would pack up a brand-new baby. And Dylan, who was uh, diagnosed ADHD, 
Yeah, some of you guys have been around here long. Y'all remember? Y'all remember? I went through a parenting class. I would never forget. They were teaching us, you know, you got to discipline your children. You got to pop them on the butt a little bit. I, I remember the first class I went through. I bet I went out 10 times. We're talking. They're looking at me like, this is right. I said, okay. Well, I go out, a little spank, come back on the bottom, you know, sit back down, go back out, come back in, go back in. They're, they just grabbed me by the hand. They were great people. But when I started going to church, it was one of those times that every message, they weren't just words anymore. I'd heard words before. I'd read the Bible, pieces of the Bible. But, but they, were, they were life-giving to me. They were, they were changing me. Uh, when I would sit and the pastor would, would preach, it would, it would say, man, my life is... I need that, I need that, I need that, I need that. And God, really what he did is he took that seed that had been spread over the course of, even going back when I was 10, 11 years old, that seed that was still there, and it began to take root because my heart was open and it was soft. So I tell you that because at that point, we get to how do, how do you continue to grow and walk that out? I still had to go to work every day. I still had to be around the same people every day. People that I cared about and that I loved and that would judge me if I talked about Jesus. They didn't want to talk about Jesus. They wanted to go have a cold beer. And that, you want to, you want to shut down a good cold beer and a good night out? Talk about Jesus for somebody. And they're like, oh, man, not that guy again. You know, and it's like, but that's what I wanted to do. You know, I mean, I'm like, I can, I can do that. So, so we, we look into things. How do we develop our own faith? Number one, we have to understand that developing faith is a lifelong journey. It does not end when you say yes to Jesus. It begins for the rest of your life for the rest of your life. Begin in places. It says, seek God alone. Number one, seek God alone. Well, what does that mean? Are we alone? We're all here together, right? What does seek God alone? What what does that mean? Begin in places where no one is watching you where no one is expecting of you and no one is judging you. You know where that place is? It's one-on-one with you and God. If you do it here in the church, when you're on the ministry team and you're standing up here, man, you want to hear from God for the person that's in front of you. I've been on ministry teams for years, and we get to pray for people. And I, and I ask God to speak so I can hear him for somebody else. When is the time that you hear God for yourself? When is the time that you aren't, ex- nobody expects you to have the answer that, from God. Nobody's judging you. Well, he didn't get it right. There's no way I'm not doing that. It's when you're one-on-one with Jesus. Solitude before God that you are choosing for yourself. You know, another thing we do here, we intercede. That's a big word for saying that we just step in and we pray for other people. You know, we do that a lot on Sunday nights. Leaders in our church get together and we pray for the church. And we pray for you guys. Some of you by name. I would like to say that we pray for all of you by name. And maybe we need to start doing that. But whatever God brings to our heart. But the reality is, are we before God for ourselves? It starts with what is God putting in us that's changing us, that's growing our faith to where we take ownership in it. Prayer. Are we praying? Are we praying? This message is for we, even on the stage right here, we, me, you. Are we praying? 
Are we practiced honesty before God? Are we being real and genuine with God when we're by ourselves? Did we practice listening to God? Are we just talking and we don't hear anything back? Are we in the word? We talked about being in the word, being in the truth. And do we meditate on that word? Do we read it and then we allow God to bring it to life in us? What other investments are we making? You know, there are other resources that are available, uh, whether it's books, podcasts. Beside my bed, every night, and still sits there today, Betty Cooper gave me a daily devotional. You know, Betty, I don't read that thing every day. I don't read it every month but it's still sitting right beside my bed. And the reality is, I need to, because it's good for me. It's good for me. People in my life said, this is good for you, Jeff. That's what we do. And we feed that into us. We feed life into us. But we have to take on, I have to open the book. It's not gonna open itself. I have to read it for me. Two, we have to do the word. Do the word. A faith that is your own. Oh, actually, I'm going to go back and read this. Under Seek God Alone. Psalms 1 says, How well God must like you. This is seeking God alone. These are all the things that we've been doing to develop relationship with him. You don't hang out at Sin Saloon. You don't slink along dead-end roads. You don't go to Smart Mouth College. Instead, you thrill to God's word. You chew on scripture day and night. You're a tree replanted in Eden, bearing fresh fruit every month, never dropping a leaf, always in blossom. You are not at all like the wicked, who are mere windblown dust without defense in court, unfit company for innocent people. God charts the road you take. That's Psalm 1. Don't you want to be that person? God charts the road you take. You're a tree replanted in Eden. In God's kingdom, God's garden. So we do the word. A faith that is your own finds expression in decisions to act on what you hear from God. Okay, this, is, this is what Bill's been been really talking about in the last sermon series, about trusting God, hearing God, being in the Word. Um, We share our testimony. We share what God has done in our lives with others. Just what you heard from this this young man that, that you guys just saw. Profess, I believe, with your hands and your feet, with what you do with what you do, not always what you say. Let your actions profess, I believe in Jesus Christ. We can, you could stand up here and say it. I'll give you the mic. But really what the world, they see it. They see transformation. They see Christ-like in you. They see the, the Christ-likeness, and that's what draws them to want Transformation. We submit to the authority and the leadership of Jesus. We hear the word, we do it, and we look for God to show up. We hear the word, we do it, and then we, we look for God. That sounds a lot like the vineyard to me. You ever heard the statement, we want to be doing what God's doing? We want to do what the Father is doing. Through our obedience, God's power will break into our lives and into others. Three, we recognize the Lord. We look for the Lord's mercies uh, around us each day. We look to see what God is doing in the world. You know, God is doing something every day in your life. Every day he's doing something in your life and in my life. 
But I bet I could say, I, I bet I could call, pick somebody out and say, what has God done this week in your life? Mm, nothing. <laughs> I ain't really seen him at all. I, you know, I, don't, I don't even know if he even knows I, I exist anymore. You know? You've been there? You've been there? I have. So, but we have to look for God's mercies every day. When we recognize the presence and the power of God at hand, our faith in him grows. When we recognize God's mercies and then interpret that for others, our faith is expanded and deepened. When we see what God is doing and we're able to bring others into that and explain and see people get it, we get to be a part of bringing the kingdom. God chose us. He chose me and you to bring his kingdom And as we participate in that, our faith grows and it deepens because we see God moving in people's lives. And it says to try to keep a journal. Well, I'm I'm horrible at that. Anybody journal around here? Why would you do that? So when you say God's done nothing this week, you can go back and be reminded just what God is doing. Just what God is doing, you know? Here's the scripture I had this morning for um, recognizing the Lord. And you may have heard it. Betty and I didn't talk at all. But I will tell you this. I'm going to read it again, and I want you to hear it because it's the word of the Lord this morning. Lamentations 3, 19 through 24. I'll never forget the trouble, the utter loss. And I went a little further than you did, Betty. I never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all. Oh, well, how I remember. I want you to liken that first statement. I'm going to go back because I like it so much. I never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, and the poison I've swallowed. That's the world in our life. That's living in the world without Jesus. And you find yourself at a place where um, you're struggling. You're struggling. And you don't forget that. I remember it all. Oh, well, oh, how well I remember. The feeling of hitting the bottom. But there's one other thing that I remember. And remembering I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. There created new every morning. How great your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all I've got left. Do you say it over and over? That you're sticking with God? No matter what your circumstances, no matter how bad it gets, do you take the truth? Do you take the word and keep a grip on hope? That God's loyal love couldn't have run out. Do we hold on to that? I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all I've got left. Now, if you read the Bible, there's probably not a lot of times you go to Lamentations. But for some reason, God wanted you to know that today because Betty used it in communion, and he gave it to me uh, in the sermon. Stick with God, his love will not run out. And be reminded daily. You have to be reminded daily that God is for you. Find a companion for the journey. Accountability. Do you have somebody in your life that you can speak with? Somebody that Uh, you know, uh, is walking the same road, the same path that you're on. Someone that you can uh, speak to about anything that's going on in your life, anything at all. If you don't, 
you need someone. This, again, this isn't enough. Sunday is not going to be enough for you. I, I was driving in this morning with, with Dylan, and we were listening to radio or song or MP3, whatever, music. We were listening to music. And it was a song that was on the radio back in the 90s. And I, and I look at Dylan this morning, and I said, Dylan, I can't listen to that. I'm, good. I'm going to church this morning. I need to get my heart right and be listening to, you know, something good. I need to give God at least half a day out of seven, eight to noon, because we know what happens at noon. The Texans come on, and they're playing for playoffs, and then, you know, and then life begins because work starts on Monday. And so I said, man, I need four hours. And I stopped, and I said, I looked at Dylan. I said, isn't that terrible? Isn't that a terrible thing to say? I just need a half a day with God to get me through the week. Well, you want to lose faith, keep at that half a day. Promise you. I promise you it makes it tough. Every day, say it over and over again. I need you, God. I need you, God. Uh, Meet regularly. Meet with people regularly. People that that share the same uh, values and beliefs, the same thing that God is doing in your life, Connect with those people. Talk about sermons that you've heard um, and maybe what you've read in the Bible. Help each other do the word. Isn't that what we do here? That's what we're really doing on Sunday mornings. You know that, right? We're just helping each other to live this out. Engage in that. Engage in what you hear. If you want, if you want, this to be real and true for you. You have to put it into action. We pray together. And we be honest and we be authentic with each other. We don't hide anything. So if you have that, that accountability, that person that you can speak with, to go with you before God, it's a great, um, it's a great thing. You got to have it. You got to have somebody speaking truth into your life. So that leads me to how can the Vineyard Church of Lake Jackson help? How do we help in that? Well, if you missed church or you heard something here today or any Sunday, we have a podcast. You can listen to it every day of the week if you want to. Go, go to the resources that we have here for you. We have podcasts. We have resources and books over here. We have classes that, that we can point you to. They may not be here, but they may be at another vineyard somewhere that we get tied to. And, and um, I know for a long time, and I think there's a break right now, Betty's been involved with uh, a healing ministry called Cross Current. And that's out of the Houston Vineyard. So she gives up a weekend. How would you do it? Two, two, three times a year? Used to? I know they're taking a break once a year. Okay. Once a year. But she gives up her weekend to go up for once a year. And, and she just got back from Tijuana. She went to Tijuana to preach. She did a great job to preach at a vineyard church in Tijuana. You know, there are things that we can do that help grow our faith. Um, and that, that's available through us, through the Vineyard Church of Lake Jackson. We, we've made connections with these guys right here have been asking us to come down in Ludio. We've been wanting to go down to their church forever, Kim and I and Fresnillo. We're going to have to do that. We, and we've been down to Reynosa. It just it helps. It's that part of connecting and seeing God's kingdom expand outside of what we see here every day. Uh, you know, we offer um, counseling. If you, if you have things going on in your life, we, we want to be a part of that. We want to talk. We want to meet with you. We want to pray with you. We offer prayer outside of Sunday. We can do that. You reach out and you let us know what you need. Um, small groups. We're going to start those again because we've got to have something other than our half a day on Sunday to where we're connecting. So we're going to be starting some new small groups coming up. Um, I know at our house, we're going to have one. 
Uh, Kim and I were talking about it just recently. Uh, conferences and seminars. We get to be involved in the bigger picture of what God is doing through uh, the Vineyard Movement. Um, so those things are available uh, to us. But, you know, one of the places, and it goes back to Betty going to Tijuana to preach. You know, service is a, is a great way to connect with, with the bigger picture of what God is doing. And I think of Betty preaching, and you know who else I think of? Um, I think of Infinity. Infinity Woodruff. I, I remember, how long have you been on the worship team? So, so almost three years. Okay, so Infinity for the recording for you people out there in the internet world. Infinity's on our worship team. She's been there three years. Infinity, you're 17? 17 years old. So my question for you, since you're not mic'd up, I won't call you up here, is being a part of, of, of that ministry, has it done anything for you over the last three years? It's done a lot. All right, well, good. Come here. Now she gets to get on the mic. All right. So I want you guys to hear that. So being a part of the worship ministry the last three years, has it done anything for you? Yes. Yes. And we actually, I had, did not ask her to prepare anything. I just, can you, can you share something, um, anything? Uh, yeah, relationship with God. And you, and you committed to that for three years. And, and what I think I've seen, and I think some people here in the church have seen, is, you know, I couldn't get Finney to sing at all three years ago. She was a backup singer, and poor Danny, I don't know how many times he told her, get on the mic, get on the mic, get on the mic, get on the mic, get on the mic. You know, to, to and, and you have seen a progression with Infinity of now she, she leads in worship. She leads in worship. And, and I would venture to say this. What, what kind of music do you listen to? Not all music. Do you listen to worship music? Why do you listen to it? Okay, get on the mic. Why do you listen to it? Because it puts me in my place. It puts you in your place. In what way? Can I ask you that? Thank you. You're off the hook now. You did good. It makes her focus on God and what's going on around her. I can tell you that Infinity brings great music to us. She said, have you heard this song or have you heard that song? And I'd say, no, <laughs> I haven't. And then I would go listen to it, and it's just powerful stuff. You know, one of the songs we did today. I said, ah, I got a new song for you. We played it on Monday. She goes, ah, I knew that song. I said, ah, there's a worshiper for you. She finds value in that. But I would venture to say without her service, without her giving up her time, her Monday evenings, for a teenager to give up Monday, she's in youth group, so she gives up Wednesday, and then she comes early. She's here at 8 o'clock on Sunday mornings. A teenager, for three years she's done it. Her parents brought her up here until she could get her own car, and now she can't stop getting hit by other people in it, but she still finds a way to make it to church. God bless you, Finney. And, but there's, there's a reason why we serve. There's a reason why Betty went to Tijuana to preach. You know, it, it looks like because they asked her to come down there, but the bigger reason is she's a part of God's bigger plan. She's a part of God's kingdom going forward in Mexico. And she sees the fruit of what she's doing there. And she sees what God is doing there because she said yes. 
If you make coffee, we had this discussion before, if you make coffee, it's not just making coffee. It's a ministry. It's a service to, to God himself, to service God's people. We have to start looking at things. You know, children's ministry downstairs, love Kim to death. He's, without Kim, there's no children's ministry. There's this not. And it's like, you want to learn? You want to learn? If you don't know the Bible real well and you want to learn the Bible, go downstairs. The children's stories are the best way to learn the Bible. So there's, there are opportunities that we have in the church. And, uh, you know, we, we learn every day. And, and what I want you to know is that Finney showed up for three years despite my brokenness, despite having times where, you, when you know, when a father and a son are together. <laughs> That's my son, you know. And he's playing the drums, and I'm playing the guitar, and maybe we're not on the same page. And so sometimes you talk to him like, like dad talks to him, maybe like not one of your worship team members, but you talk to him like he's your son. And, and Finney's like getting in between both of us. Would you guys just stop? She didn't quit. She didn't say, they're all messed up. I don't want to be part of that. Because she saw the bigger picture. She knew that we love God, and we're not perfect. And what God did was grow her in her own faith, where now she has ownership in that. And my prayer for her is as she grows up and as she moves into the world and she goes to college or does whatever God has for her, that she is going to be one of those people that hold on to, to her faith and her belief. She's going to hold on to it because God has rooted it deep in her heart. So... Today, I want you guys to go ahead and stand. I think I'm supposed to do this. That's the, the bill thing of, it's time for ministry. Um, you know, today, as, as we start the new year, and we think about 2016, we think about what we want God to do. I'm going to tell you, it's bigger than losing weight. It's bigger than an exercise program. It's bigger than getting your finances in order. It's bigger than finding the right job. When you commit to Jesus and that you want to start taking the steps in your life that are going to lead to ownership of who you are in him. you will begin to see the fruit of God in your life. You will begin to experience the things we were singing about today. Hope, joy, love, healing. All these things we, we, we had in worship today, we sang about all of those things today. But they're not just words. That's what God does every day. Every day. So, the, really, the ministry call this morning, I, I have to tell you, has to be who wants to take ownership of their faith? Who wants to start doing things in their life that are going to grow their relationship with Jesus? Maybe, maybe. 2015, you, you took some step backwards. But today, you want to move forward with Jesus. And if, that, if that's you, I want to invite you to just come down. We're going to pray this morning uh, that God would give us the tools, that he would, you know, put the distractions aside. And there are a lot of distractions out there. But if you want to take more ownership, if you want to move into... Um, a place where you find yourself investing in the things that God has for you this morning and in in every day that you want to say it again and again and again. Jesus, I need you in my life. God, I need you in my life. 
God, your hope never fails us. Then I want to invite you to come down. I'm going to pray for you this morning. We're just going to wait and see what God uh, does. Thank you, Lord.